Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Hope everyone's starting off the week right on their Monday. And of course, y'all know what time it is. It is episode 126 of the Young Lions Perspective Podcast, talking about the news that came out of the weekend. And it was a lot of news that came out of the weekend. A lot of good news, some crazy news. But of course, I got to start off the show talking about what happened with the Continuation of the Saudi Arabian scandal, and I'm calling it a scandal because a lot of things have come out of it, but the biggest story that I felt that would be great to kick off this episode of the podcast is from WrestlingNews.co. Several wrestlers plan on leaving WWE when the contracts expire due to Saudi Arabian issue. This is from Paul Davis, actually written today, so let's get into it. As noted earlier, there are plenty of unhappy WWE superstars after the flight issues in Saudi Arabia. The talent returned to the United States on Saturday. There are people wondering what will happen backstage at Monday Night Raw. Perhaps nothing will happen and everyone will continue on with business as usual or wrestlers in the locker room will speak up to management. Carl Anderson sent out a cryptic tweet and his wife was adamant about Anderson never going back to Saudi Arabia. This is from uh, Carl Anderson's Twitter. Quote, looking forward to see who the locker room leader is on Monday. And quote, with a popcorn, uh, the popcorn emoji and a heart emoji right underneath that. On Sunday's Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer says he was told that several wrestlers have told him that they are not going back to Saudi Arabia. Others have said they plan on leaving when WWE when their plans, when their contracts, I'm sorry, expire. Meltzer said, quote, I've had people say that they are never going to go back. I've had people say that they can't wait to get out of the company. I don't know if that's going to, maybe in a couple months, they're going to change their mind. I don't know if something is going to happen at Raw when the Raw talent is all there, end quote. Meltzer said WWE has been trying to get the talent to record videos to say that it was just a mechanical failure. AJ Styles did record a video for his Mixer account and claimed that he spoke with the pilot and was told that there really was a mechanical issue. Uh, if you want to go check out that video, you can find it on WrestlingNews.co. There's a little bit of a, excuse me, hyperlink you can click on there. And let me see if there's anything more. And there's nothing more on that. So, there's a, like I said, there was a lot coming out of this issue with that. So, we don't, of course, an in-state which superstars from WWE would be planning on leaving when their contracts expire. But I know a lot of people, especially the talent in WWE, are in the spur of spur of the moment type deal. And we don't, like I said, we don't know how many um, ta- how much of the talent are going to be willing to leave when their contracts are up. But I can understand where they're coming from in terms of how they feel about the entire situation. I was listening to Joe Cronin a little bit earlier before I started recording. And, you know, we're not exactly sure what the actual situation is. I mean, of course, I did speak about it at length in yesterday's episode of uh, the before the NXT UK review, and you can go check that out right now, and thank you to all those who have checked that out already. Do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the uh, show, and of course, if they're big NXT UK fans, I would love for y'all to tell a friend to check out that episode for sure. It would be much appreciated for sure. 
But the fact that, you know, at this very moment, wrestlers are wanting to leave WWE when their contracts are up. Um, like I said, it is spur, it is quite spur of the moment. It is, you know, and like Meltzer said, and I can agree with that to some extent that, you know, talent, you know, may change their mind in a couple months. They may, um, you know, reconsider, you know, wanting to have their contract expire and actually leave the company. I know there's a lot of talent right now that are probably frustrated due to their positioning in the company as of right now. It does not surprise me that talent want to get out. And the Saudi Arabian issue does not help matters at all. Um, you know, talent felt stranded, especially after Vince McMahon had already left um, the country to get back to Connecticut to for him to handle business and get ready for this week's particular, you know, this week's particular proceedings in terms of programming and all that. So I can understand where he's coming from with that. It's going. It's, it's going to make me wonder who, if if any, would be willing to leave, especially now with reports of, you know, that we've heard of before with you know, Gallows and Anderson renewing their deal with WWE after being told they're going to be involved in a big storyline, all for it to just come crashing down and them losing the Raw Tag Team Championship just about a month or so ago to the War Raiders. And then them fucking over the War Raiders and having them apparently lose, thus being no longer undefeated as tag team champions. So that's a whole different situation in and of itself. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if talent are going to be willing to leave, especially knowing that the money they are getting from Saudi Arabia and, you know, Fox and the USA deal being re-upped. I know a billion dollars is coming from Fox. Uh, a, a good amount is coming from the Saudi Arabia deal for the next eight years, so they're going to get a lot of money on that. I read reports that, you know, talent are going to be, you know, getting lesser paychecks um, when it comes to these Saudi Arabian shows, and that's all well and good, but if this is what's going to be happening over the next few years... WWE is in a situation where, you know, it can, it can land in a lot of trouble. Like I said, a lot, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if certain talent wouldn't want to go back to do these Saudi Arabian shows. They would rather stay home with their family and wait until the next week to go back. I was talking about a good buddy of mine at work, my buddy Malik, shout out to Malik, um, for checking out this information. Already, this week coming up, this Friday, they are going to be in Manchester, England. They're coming off, you know, going from Buffalo. And they're now going to be on back on tour in the European uh, region for their next set of shows. Which is quite, in- was quite surprising to me. Considering the fact that they just came back from Saudi Arabia, which is like a 14, 14 15 hour flight. Um, the country going back into the United States. Excuse me. 
So that it, like, that's a very quick turnaround to go from Buffalo to having to go home for a few days at their homes, hang out, chill, and then go right back on the road and do a show in Manchester. Now, I'm not exactly sure if this is going to be taped delayed or if, well, I'll probably say more likely, it's going to be taped delayed. What spoilers is going to be coming out? Uh, I won't be checking out the spoilers. I will be watching SmackDown for sure. I won't be watching Raw because, as y'all know, as I always say, Raw is just not a, it's a good way to get three hours in, especially with Monday Night Football going down. And considering that the next next Monday will be um, my my favorite football team, the Seattle Seahawks, going up against the San Francisco 49ers in a huge rivalry game between um, two of the top teams in the NFC Western Division. So next week, I probably won't be giving a damn shit or fuck about Monday Night Raw, knowing that a big game is going to be going down um, this coming next Monday night. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know. Like I said, we don't know which superstars are going to be willing to leave, especially with the money that WWE has been got, has gotten pouring in over, especially with the deals they've received over the past year or so with USA re-upping their deal, Fox giving them a billion dollars over the next five years to, you know, be a part of their station. And I believe the nine figure deal that WWE is getting from Saudi Arabia. If, they, if, if certain, it will only matter. This will be really big news. De- depending on who is willing to leave. I don't know. You know, I, we've seen teases of, you know, Randy Orton posting picture, posting a picture next to, uh, you know, an elite sign. Uh, just a random elite sign in a corporate building. Just doing a tease and having the internet a little bit break a little bit over that. I don't know exactly what who is willing to leave. Um, my guess is, like I said before, talent that is being underutilized and not being, you know, used, you know, properly on there. I, I you know, there's a few names that pop go off the top of my head. Uh, Robert Roode would definitely be one of those I'd be willing to say um, would want would probably want out. I'm just, I'm just with this. I'm just spitballing. Um, I'm not sure if it's a ricochet. He just got his deal, so he might be in for the long haul for the next couple of years. Uh, Mike Kanellis was an idiot. Mike Kanellis and Maria Kanellis are idiots for re-upping their deals, knowing that they've received, you know, the booking that they have. Uh, Rusev is one I would want to, you know, think in my mind, because I I haven't really heard anything about him re-upping on his deal just yet. There's a there's so much so many names you can think of off the top of your head with this that would want to you know be willing to leave knowing the money that WWE is going to receive be receiving over the next few years over the next at least five to ten years Go, going down the line it's a lot to think about that talent are just willing are are thinking and considering not re-upping on their contracts they're willing to let their contracts expire they're willing to wait the three months in terms of their no compete clause according to their contracts and then 
heading out and venturing out into other promotions, New Japan, AEW, uh, Ring of Honor, just to name a few of the bigger ones that we know of. Who knows what's going to happen with this with this story? Um, like I said, WWE at this point is not on in the right frame to lose talent, especially when you have a lot, hopefully, you know, Vince McMahon going to the XFL. We don't know what's going to be going on with that. Uh, you know, we don't know if he's going to still be working in a capacity with the XFL and the WWE at the same time. One would, one would hope that Vince McMahon focuses more on the XFL, leaving the company to I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what is going to happen. And we, we don't know what's really going to happen just yet, but you can all start. I mean, if that's speculation, if that's the issue with that, so be it. Uh, we have a few months to go before the end of the year and, you know, what's going to happen into going into the fall. Uh, the rest of the fall into the winter and into the uh, going into 2020. So we'll see. But um, let's see what AJ Styles had to say about the entire situation real quick before we get into King Velasquez and uh, Brock Lesnar. So AJ Styles explains what happened in Saudi Arabia after Crown Jewel. This is from yesterday, written by Paul Davis as well. During a live stream on his Mixer account, AJ Styles gave details on what he says happened in Saudi Arabia after the Crown Jewel show. Here are the bullet points on what he said on the stream. The crew was supposed to leave after the show and they weren't allowed to board the plane. Styles says she wasn't real sure what the problem was, but heard that there was a field truck on, in the way and the guy who drove the field truck had left to go home. Styles acknowledges that this doesn't make much sense. Styles said they were told that there were some paperwork issues and then after four or five hours, they were allowed to get on the plane and there was something wrong with the fuel. Styles said he talked to the pilot during the flight when they were in the air, and the pilot said there was a problem and the mechanical issues were real. He also says the delays caused the pilots to time out, so they couldn't fly the pilot plane that day. He said the wrestlers had to go to the hotel. He says there were no guns or anything like that. He said he had the best sleep of his life in the hotel. He says the story was almost blown up to as if we were on the verge of being killed. That wasn't the case. He says he has no idea what happened with the crown prince, but that's not my job to say anything. He also said he was angry about missing his son's wrestling match. Uh, he stated, quote, we'll find out as we go along why things happened or we won't. I don't know what's going to happen going forward. It's going to be what it's going to be. And quote, he said he's not going to throw WWE under, under the bus because he is committed to making the best product that he can. He said there are a lot of good people in WWE and he doesn't want to make them look bad. He said he will not say any more until he knows more. He said he won't say anything negative. And if I find out and I was offended, I would go to the source. Believe me on that one, end quote. As noted earlier, Dave Meltzer was told by one wrestler he, that he believed the mechanical issues were real. However, most other wrestlers on the plane did not buy the story and wondered why another flight wasn't booked. There was also a lot of unhappiness about Vince McMahon and his staff leaving the talent in the country. The feeling among many is that Vince McMahon should have stayed with the talent until the plane took off. The story that was going around amongst the wrestlers was that the Crown Saudi Crown Prince owed Vince McMahon money for the last show they ran in the country in June. The money owed $60 million was not included on the last quarterly earnings report, and George Barrios, 
avoided talking about their Middle East TV deal and Saudi Arabia on the recent investor conference call. There was concern among stockholders about WWE not being able to, to secure with a new deal with India and the Middle East. The belief among the wrestlers is that Vince McMahon cut off the live Crown Jewel feed for airing, from airing in Saudi Arabia. Something was worked out and the show did air on delay 40 minutes after it was supposed to start airing, but many wrestlers believe the Crown Prince retaliated by causing delays to the flight out of Saudi Arabia. Several wrestlers have made cryptic comments in the situation, and Carl Anderson's wife was adamant about her husband not going back to the country again. Of course, you can, you can find out what, you know, what Anderson's wife said, um, and catch up on everything that was done. Of course, you can also watch the Saudi Arabia on uh, AJ Styles Mixer stream. So that's just one opinion with, <clears throat> excuse me, with what was going on with the situation. That's just one opinion from AJ Styles. Uh, we don't, we, like I said, we don't know what's going to happen with that. If I mean, at this point, we're, I'm just going to wait until we get thorough news on what exactly happened. We may never know exactly what happened with this. We, never, we may never know. And if that's the case, fine. So be it. But it leaves us in speculation as to what exactly happened. What went down? What was the real reason that, you know, Vince McMahon left, but the talent did not? You know what I mean? It's going to be a pain in the ass to figure out what's going to happen at this point. Like I said, we may never know. We may never know what exactly happened. Who knows? All we know is what we've got right now. And that's what, pretty much what I told you uh, over yesterday, what I told you about on Friday. And I'm just going to leave it at that. If any big news comes out of this, I will let you know. You'll either know on Instagram or you'll know on this podcast. But other than that, that's pretty much what we got. But to end the crown jewel portion of today's episode... The real reason why Cain Velasquez's match with Brock Lesnar was so short at Crown Jewel. Most of you have probably known about this, but to those of you who don't, this is from also WrestlingNews.co. And shout out to WrestlingNews.co for giving us great information on this. This is also from Paul Davis from Friday. Several readers have asked about the match between WWE Champion Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez at Crown Jewel. The match went on early and just lasted over two minutes, with Lesnar forcing Velasquez to submit. Excuse me. I was told that the match was so short because Velasquez needs knee surgery and they didn't want to risk causing further damage. This is something that was known to WWE before he signed his deal. I don't know when he's scheduled for surgery, but I would presume that it will be happening soon so he can recap in time for WrestleMania season. There are plans for a rematch at some point. Velasquez has three years on his WWE deal, so there is no rush to get to the rematch. Meanwhile, Paul Heyman and Lesnar can brag that Lesnar was able to finally defeat Velasquez, the man who took the UFC title from Lesnar many years ago. So then why have the match in the first place? If you knew the man was going to have surgery, so they would rather worry about, you know, just getting the match in instead of getting a man healthy. We could have literally, you know, just had a tease and just let the man have surgery. You know, tease something. I would have been better with, I mean, I've seen, we saw the match on Friday. You know, when Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman had their promo segment before he, quote unquote, quit SmackDown to go over to Raw to go after Rey Mysterio and destroy him, Paul more than likely with the Universal Championship on the line. 
And by watching the match, I saw it and I was just like, why did this match even happen in the first fucking place? It just didn't fucking make any sense. The match was terrible. It was so garbage, you know. And it really didn't... It really didn't mean much. You know, it was was a shit match. You know, I can understand... Now we understand why Brock Lesnar wanted that match. More so, it was just to make sure that, you know, Cain Velasquez got in, got out, got the fuck out of there. Brock Lesnar got his paycheck, went home, took the belt with him, went to fuck his wife in Saskatchewan, drink uh, Bud Light, uh, Miller Light because Bud Light wasn't paying him enough. All that good shit. I just really didn't care for the match personally, nor did I even care, you know, at all with what was going down for the title. And now we know tonight they're going to be going to Raw. And now we know from Dave Meltzer that the WWE Championship is now on Raw and the Universal Championship is now on SmackDown. What will happen with the Universal Championship in terms of what the belt will look like, I a lot of people are, are hoping that it doesn't turn blue. They don't get a blue looking Universal Championship. I would just rather have a black strap, you know, with the Universal title that looks in the image of Bray Wyatt, has the, all the, you know, all the little logos that he has, and all that good shit. That's just me. Um, I do wish King Velasquez a speedy recovery. Um, surgery is nothing to fuck with me. Personally, I've never, uh, thank goodness, you know, knock on wood, thank goodness, never have had surgery or have had a major injury in my life. Um, and for those of you who have had, I, you know, I hope you guys recovered very well, got your rehab in, and took care of your stuff and got back, you know, on the men and then got back to all that good stuff. So, like I said, a speedy recovery for Kane Velasquez. He's got a three-year deal. He'll be with the WWE until 2022 at least, and then we'll go from there. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I, I, it's going to be one of those things where... You know, if they do, do the, if they do do the rematch, how well it will come across, especially with the short match that they've had. Um, I don't know. I, I really, like I said, I really didn't care for the match. We knew it wasn't going to go long anyway, regardless if he had the injury or not. Um, I, I just don't know. I just don't know what they're going to do with him going forward. The only logical sense would be to have. Velasquez Lesnar again and then go from there. It bees what it be. So that is just the top story portion of the program of episode 126 of the Young Lion Perspective. Y'all know what it is. So, as always, my favorite saying in the world, this is episode 126 of the Young Lion's Perspective. And with that being said, we got a lot more news to cover. Let us begin. Zach from the Wrestling Delicious Podcast here, and welcome to episode 126 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Monday afternoon as we head towards 
Monday Night Raw and, of course, Monday Night Football between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. But I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. I was going to start this episode talking about Jordan Miles and his whole situation with WWE waiting for them to reach out. But unfortunately, breaking news just came across the board in my notifications. I'm going to take a sip of water and let you uh, wait this one out because this is especially with what give me one moment. And just and just a, and just a little PSA, sparkling flavored sparkling water. If you replace that with soda, guarantee you, you will not worry about the difference because less sugar. Um, just think about all the sugar. Think about all the sugar you have in your system when you're drinking soda. I love soda as much as the next person. I love root beer. I'm a root beer kind of guy. But every once in a while, sometimes you gotta drink some clear sparkling, clear and sparkling um, raspberry duet motherfucking uh, sparkling water. It is quite delicious. And I guarantee you, um, once you start drinking flavored sparkling water, you will not worry about it at all. And I've lost a good amount of weight. Um, that wise, actually, from drinking sparkling water. The, the switch is not... I mean, once you get used to it, you'll be fine. But anyway, I digress. So, we got some breaking news from WrestleZone. Mandatory.com slash WrestleZone. And I did not expect this to come across the wire and this this really kind of pissed me off um, doing this. I was literally gonna tweet uh, out that I was gonna I was in the process of recording episode 126. Excuse me to get your get your mind right, get you ready for uh, this episode. But y'all, from Bill Pritchard, this just dropped literally not even a couple minutes ago. By the time you hear this, it'll probably be a little bit longer. WWE. Expands partnership with Saudi Arabia through 2027 at second annual large scale event. Oh dear. Oh motherfucking dear. Let's see what they have to say about this. WWE has announced they have extended their partnership with the Saudi General Entertainment Authority. The company will work with the GEA through 2027 and will now host two annual large-scale events in the region as part of the deal. So here's the press release from this. WWE and the Saudi General Entertainment Authority expand event partnership. Stanford, Connecticut and Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, November 4, 2019. Quote, following the historic Crown Jewel event in Riyadh, WWE and the Saudi General Entertainment Authority have expanded their live event partnership through 2027 to include a second annual large-scale event. WWE and GEA also continue to work towards the completion of a media agreement in the MENA region, the Middle East. This long-term partnership demonstrates WWE and GEA's commitment to bring sports entertainment to the region and support Saudi Arabia's Vision 2030. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Okay. This does this shouldn't surprise any fucking body. This really shouldn't surprise anyone at all that they would be doing this. I am fucking just 
for the life of me. Why? Why, why, why? Especially after everything that's gone on, would they be willing to expand their contract to go through at least 2027? So for the next eight years, we'll still have to watch not just one big show that's going to be just as good, if not better, than WrestleMania. We're now going to have to deal with two events that are just as big, if not bigger, than WrestleMania. Let me tell you why that's bullshit. Why in the fuck would you want an event that's just as big, if not bigger, than your biggest event of the fucking calendar year? WrestleMania is your biggest calendar of the year. Biggest event of the year, I'm sorry. Every storyline that starts from the night of the WrestleMania until WrestleMania begins and ends at WrestleMania. Now, you're going to have two events that really honestly, in the grand scheme of things, mean absolute fucking nothing be on the same scale as the showcase of the Immortals, the granddaddy of them all. Your biggest show, the one that ends the season, the one that ends the year storylines. It's going to be on that same plane for the next eight years. It's bad enough the last few WrestleManias have really sucked dick. It's bad enough that WrestleMania hasn't really been up to par of what WrestleMania should be. Okay? For those of you out there who actually, you know, have a functioning brain and you logic, reason, and common sense to understand and formulate things, you know, rational thought and such, this should piss you off. Because now you know you're going to have to deal with at least two events every year in Saudi Arabia that are on that same scale. And we've gotten, what, three, four events now that have literally shit the bed in terms of Super Showdown and Crown Jewel. After the first Crown Jewel, I stopped giving a fuck about Crown Jewel. The event was fucking atrocious. The event was trash. It sucked. It meant really nothing, especially coming off of Survivor Series. We were literally coming off the heels of Survivor Series when the first Crown Jewel happened. I was ashamed that I had watched that event on my day off. Gave a review. Pissed off about it. It was quite bad. The one in June was quite bad. I'm hearing that the one that we just had was garbage. And the only good news that came out of it was that Bray Wyatt became the Universal Champion. Oh fucking happy day. And even that was a pain in the ass. I just don't get it. I don't get it. With everything that a lot of people have been saying, with everything that, you know, people don't like about the show, you know, like I said, it means nothing. The matches they have in the card are just spec, just little bullshit spectacles. 
are you really going to want to see a Braun Strowman Tyson Fury type match for the next eight years, twice a year, on the same level as WrestleMania? I don't. I could care less about this shit. And now we get the sad that we're going to be forced to see this for the next eight years. I, I just don't know what to think anymore about WWE. I just don't know what to think. Anyway, getting into the uh, more Jordan Miles news. So from WrestlingInc.com, Jordan Miles tells WWE he's waiting for them to reach out. Written by Kelly Howlett a lot from yesterday. Let's get into this article. Jordan Miles has gone on Twitter tonight, or should I say last night, to tell WWE that he's waiting for them to reach out. According to Miles, if WWE doesn't contact him soon, he's going to make sure that his voice and movement are heard. The situation stems from the first design of his t-shirt that was considered racist. His full tweet was, quote, If WWE doesn't reach out to me by tomorrow, which meaning today, I'll make sure my voice and my movement will be heard, end quote. As reported a few days ago, as reported a few days ago, Jordan Miles reportedly left work on a non-injury medical leave before the t-shirt controversy. As noted, WWE had released a statement about the t-shirt design a week ago. Jordan Miles, ACH, baby, pimping. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. WWE now has is going to be worried about bigger fish to fry. So you're now, like I, as I stated on, I believe Friday, when this kind of first came out. In terms of the T-shirt, it was not a good look in terms of design. It was quite shit. I've seen the design; it is quite terrible. I'm sure at this point you have as well. If not, you can Google it without question. It'll take you two seconds. Or as Paul Heyman says, Google it, bitches. But at this point. If you want you you want your movement to be heard, fine. So be it. That's fine. They're gonna they're gonna do their thing. We're good. They're gonna keep going without you, Jordan. Like I said, you're about to get a huge push, a very very huge push as the winner of the breakout tournament. You just had a banger of a match with Adam Cole, baby, for the NXT Championship. Even though you did lose in the losing effort, it was still one of your best matches so far. In WWE, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna keep waiting. I I think you're gonna keep waiting. You're gonna keep waiting, and you can let your movement be heard. All that stuff. You're gonna be you're gonna be waiting for a while. I don't know how long, but you're definitely gonna be waiting just just a little bit before WWE gets around to actually taking care of your situation here it bees what it bees i mean like i said the the fact that you went off on twitter and went at jay lethal and the fact that, and shout out to jay lethal not even bothering to give a response i honestly think he doesn't give a shit i mean i know he knows what's going what was going on at roh at the time that all members involved that jordan miles name were there it's going to be interesting to see what does happen out of this. What comes out of this? Will he get a new design? Will something happen? Will they just put him on the back burner for a while, put him in the doghouse until he, you know, a la the Matt Riddle situation, 
I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but we'll see what happens in the future. This was a nice little piece of information that I saw. So from ringsidenews.com, WWE planned double turn for Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt. This is actually from Jenkins from today. Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt's match at Hell in a Cell did not work out like they wanted. The Sacramento crowd let the company have it as they showered the main event's finish with booze all over the building. Fightful Select reports that WWE's plan was to always have Rollins versus Salt Wyatt in Saudi Arabia for a blow-off match. This could mean that Hell in a Cell is no longer the program closer that it used to be, which is fucking sad. But I'll get to that in a moment. It was reported that WWE planned for a double turn to take place with Wyatt and Rollins as well. Quote, we're told that a follow-up match for Saudi Arabia was always planned for Seth Rollins and The Fiend. But originally, Saudi Arabia was supposed to be their last one with a double turn planned. WWE Raw could be very interesting tonight. Brock Lesnar is now the top champion with the WWE title. And Seth Rollins is separated by brand lines from his former title. Apparently, he might be a heel too. <laughs> I don't care if they were going to have the greatest double turn in the history of the company. I don't care if they were going to really make Bray Wyatt whatever the fuck they were going to make Bray Wyatt. It didn't matter. And it still doesn't matter. Because let's be real. Let's be fucking real. We should not and will not forget what happened at Hell in a Cell. We will never forget what happened at Hell in a Cell. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen at all. Because that was just bullshit. All of that was bullshit. And people are telling me on Twitter, you know, but they still gave him the title. Yeah, you gave him the title. That's cool. You did it three weeks too late. You pulled the trigger at the wrong time. You backtracked, gave Wyatt the title as a bootleg bullshit. We're sorry. Our 100 are bad. That's what you did. So it really doesn't fucking matter. If you were going to do a double turn or this, that, and the third, give Wyatt the title, it doesn't matter. You already fucked up. You fucked up royally. This is probably one of your biggest blunders of 2019. If not one of your biggest blunders in the last five years, people. It's quite embarrassing to have the entire crowd in Sacramento boo you. To boo you out the fucking building. All because of a dumbass bullshit main event finish. You des- they deserved every single boo. And the fact that there were reports that stated Vince McMahon was laughing at this makes it even worse it makes it a lot worse because he didn't care 
He didn't care at all about, you know, what the crowd thought. He didn't care. What's the point? In his eyes, at least. Now we now now apparently there's going to be you know Seth Rollins is going to make an announcement on his future. I guess with WWE going forward, it doesn't matter. A lot of people are souring on Seth Rollins, and they've been souring on Seth Rollins literally way before the whole Bray Wyatt shit even happened. This goes all the way back to WrestleMania. Cool, you won the championship over Brock Lesnar. That's great. You did great. But then you had Lesnar become Mr. Money in the Bank, pretty much essentially fucking everything over for a lot of us. When we knew that could have that could have really had a big moment for a new talent, Andrade Cianomis, to actually make an impact and become the next big deal in WWE. Like, what in the absolute fuck? On top of that, you then had Rollins face Corbin for three consecutive pay-per-views involving Lacey Evans, but she had no part. She needed she needed no part of that shit because she was still greener than fucking grass and the dollar bills in my wallet. And then involved your now fiance in a storyline that honestly, to me, no one should have given a fuck about. Then you have Rollins win the title back at SummerSlam, to which honestly, that was probably the easiest fucking call and prediction of my podcasting career. I lied, I actually picked Lesnar to win. Because I just wanted Seth Rollins to get the fuck out of here and turn, get the fuck out of here, go away for a while and turn heel. And then you already pretty much gave away the, what was going to happen, you know, Wyatt becoming the number one contender for Hell in a Cell. Because now was during the summer when it was leaked at the Golden One Center that Bray Wyatt was going to be in the main event for the WWE, uh, WWE Universal Championship at Hell in a Cell. On top of that, at Night of Champions, you had a bullshit storyline with Braun Strowman having him and Strowman win the tag titles just to build a storyline and have them pull double duty that night, giving the Raw tag team titles to Ziggler and Rude, a team that no one thought deserved a tag team championship. When your tag team division is already in disarray, And then you had them in the main event for the WWE Universal Championship, and Seth Rollins won that. You made him look like a pussy. Especially cutting that promo. What was it right after the night after the night of him the night after him losing the championship to Brock Lesnar after he cashed in at Extreme Rules? And now Seth Rollins is running around doing saying, doing and saying all this dumb shit on social media. Whatever. Fuck your double turn. You already fucked this up. 
So whatever happens tonight on Raw, and I won't really care that much because I got Ezekiel Elliott and Evan Ingram in my fantasy lineup, and that honestly is much more of a priority than seeing what Seth Rollins is going to say about the future of his career in WWE. I don't care because they don't make me care. I'm not going to waste three hours of my time watching this shit and not give it a fuck. I don't care because they don't make me care. Make the product better and then we can talk. Anywho, we actually are going to talk about some New Japan news. Um, it's been a while since I've actually talked about some New Japan shit. So, I don't know. Maybe one of these days I'll do just an onslaught of New Japan pro wrestling news one day. Who knows? But let's get into this. Uh, New Japan star Will Ospreay wants to headline Wrestle Kingdom 14. Y'all, Wrestle Kingdom 14 is approaching. We are literally two months away from New Japan Pro Wrestling's biggest show of the year. This time, this will be the first time in their history they are going to have two-day event. They're going to have a two-day event, people, January 4th and January 5th. Which, if I'm not mistaken, I believe... Let me think. Um, actually, we're going to look at the calendar real quick. I'm going to take my phone with me. And we are going to go over to my calendar. And we are going to see what days New Japan is. Right home. Oh, even better. If I'm right, New Japan... Uh, January 2020. We are going to have... January 4th and 5th is a Saturday and a Sunday, so more than likely I will be watching Wrestle Kingdom 14, and possibly on January 6th, I may be doing the good, the bad, and the ugly that is Wrestle Kingdom 14, so that may be something you guys will be able to look forward to for those who are loving lovers of New Japan. I know, I know, I know, I know, I apologize for not having a, a ton of New Japan content on the podcast um, like I said, I've been very busy lately as of late. Hopefully I get to get back into the swing of things. Cause I believe power struggle just happened. Um, I believe a day or so ago, but let's get into this article real quick with Will Ospreay. New Japan pro wrestling star Will Ospreay has officially stated that he wants to headline next year's Tokyo Dome show on January 4th and 5th. The British born star is the current reigning IWGP junior heavyweight champion. Having successfully defending his title against Bushi again uh, at this past Sunday's power struggle show. Osprey was then greeted by Hiromu Takahashi following his win, who has been out of action for well over a year to, due to a neck injury sustained in a bout against Dragon Lee. Takahashi challenged Osprey to a match at Wrestle Kingdom, which Osprey duly accepted after previously promising to give Hiromu a shot at the belt whenever he fully recovered from his injury. Will Osprey has had a record-breaking year for New Japan Pro Wrestling in 2019. The, ex- the Essex boy turned international star has completed an unprecedented five tournaments for the company, which includes the New Japan Cup, G1 Climax over the summer, Summer J Cup, Junior Tag League, and the best of the Super Juniors, which he actually won to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Not only has Osprey competed in these high-profile events, but he also won the BOSJ Tournament, the first British sports star to not only win the Juniors Trophy, but also on two separate occasions. The aerial assassin has now laid out the challenge to NJPW officials to give him and Takahashi the main event of the Tokyo Dome shows on January 4th and 5th. Osprey wrote on Twitter, quote, How about the junior heavyweight's main event? Seeing as I bossed my R's harder than off harder than any heavyweight this year, a nice reward would be Osprey versus Hiromu. Tokyo Dome main event. New Japan Cup. 
best of the Super Juniors. G1, Super J, Junior Tag League. How about we make some history? Wrestle Kingdom in January 2020 will be the first time ever that the company has held a historic event over two nights. With this in mind, there is somewhat of a chance that Osprey gets his wish for a top-tier main event bout against Hiromu Takahashi. I love this idea from Will Ospreay. And I must say, he has definitely been busting his ass all year since the beginning of 2019. Um, I can easily say he is an MVP candidate for um, MVP of 2019 for the Young Lions Perspective Awards, which you will probably never know about uh, at all, which is okay by me, um, because it's just an award, it's just a word I hand out. It's just a free thing, you know. You just get like recognition from yours truly. But I would say I would definitely have to say, Will Osprey does make a case. He has put on he has literally put on some bangers this year. For those who don't know about the New Japan Junior Heavyweight Division, I'd say, honestly, it is the best lighter weight division in all of pro wrestling, period. All of pro wrestling, period. Um, I'm a big fan of Will Ospreay. I love what he's been doing in the ring. I love what he does. I, um, <clears throat> I love the fact that he is full go now living in uh, Japan, if I'm not mistaken. I love the fact that, you know, he's willing to put himself out there and really want to put him and Hiromu Takahashi, you know, especially for the for the tag title, for the uh, junior title, um, in a big light. You know, having the lighter weight guys, you know, get the their biggest shine on the biggest show of their year, which is basically their WrestleMania. I would love to see this match on a grand scale. Takahashi is a big story because of the fact that he did hurt his neck um, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see this matchup because it'll definitely be one of the better matchups of 2020. And if this plays out like I think it's going to play out, this could be an easily strong candidate for not only honorable mention of 2019, but a strong mention for top 10 match of the year for 2020. The junior heavyweights have been on fire this year in New Japan. Um, especially the one match that will always stick out to me and will more than likely land on my top 10 list is Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi in the Best of Super Juniors final. They went about, they went about like at least 30 plus minutes to just determine who would win the, the tournament with Takagi going through the entire tournament undefeated and Will Ospreay trying to be the one to slay the dragon. It, I will not spoil the finish, um, but I will say it was probably one of my favorite matches this year. They put on a fantastic matchup. The crowd in 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 the in the, um, the arena was just going bananas for this match. They went off for this great match, um, great storytelling, just great everything. They really, really showed their ass on uh, that night, and I believe this was actually the main event of the Best of the Super Juniors tournament uh, card. And it was just really, really fantastic. And I was very, very impressed with what they brought to the table. And I would I would not be shocked if they actually put, you know, Osprey and Hiromu Takahashi in a main event version spotlight. It'll be very interesting to see if the if WNGPW actually lets this go down. Um, with the popularity of Will Ospreay in Japan, 
and Hiromu Takahashi making his appearance. I actually saw the return of Takahashi on YouTube. Um, I was very happy for Takahashi making his return. I'm glad he's doing very well, and I'm glad that he's in the condition that he's in, being able to actually compete in a wrestling ring once again. Speaking of New Japan and Wrestle Kingdom 14, Chris Jericho and Hiromu Takahashi return to New Japan Pro Wrestling, and the match cards are set, apparently, for Wrestle Kingdom 14. Now, a lot of people who don't know New Japan usually kind of don't understand, you know, Wrestle Kingdom and all the tournaments and all their big cards and all this shit. Usually, the card for um, Wrestle Kingdom is already done, like, way, way in advance. Um, but this, it's more so to get fans hyped for the event itself. And from now until the end of the year, going into January 4th and 5th, um, all, I believe the big events that they have left is the World Tag League that will determine who will get a shot at the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, um, which is always a favorite tournament of mine. Um, y'all know I love tag team wrestling, but they really make this worthwhile. Um, and, the, and the World Tag League Finals are fucking fire. Um, especially with the bigger weight guys. There's going to be a lot of big names in that tournament. I can't wait to see who they have in this tournament. Um, and then uh, usually in December, they have like a big show, but it's not really that big. They just have, it's, it's the road to uh, the Tokyo Dome shows. So they'll have that in December, maybe one or two shows. Ooh, excuse me. And then they're going to have their show. And then they're going to have Wrestle Kingdom 14 um, go down. So let's see what they got going on cooking here. Wrestle Kingdom 14 will feature Chris Jericho and Hiromu Takahashi in matches which were both set up during last night's Power Struggle event. Jericho was the first to make an appearance in Power Struggle when a video played after Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Kazuchika Okada and Yoshihashi. In the room, a room full of Tanahashi lookalikes play air guitar before they're suddenly all on the ground. Jericho then appears in his Painmaker getup and challenges the ace of New Japan to a match on night two of Wrestle Kingdom 14. This year's Wrestle Kingdom will be two-day event on January 4th and 5th. Jericho, who is the current AEW World Champion, last appeared for NJPW back in June at Dominion when he lost to Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight title. Later in the evening at Power Struggle, Wrestle Will Ospreay defeated Bushi in an IWGP Junior Heavyweight title defense. He then got on the microphone and asked who would challenge him next. As he started to leave the ring, a video began to play that was similar to Hiromu's first time bomb vignettes. The video ends with Hiromu's cat dolls lighting a bomb that started a timer on screen. Takahashi emerged when the countdown was over and tore off, tore off a neck brace before making his way to the ring. He then ran around the ring taking bumps, cut a promo in Japanese, and eventually challenged Osprey to a match on night one of Wrestle Kingdom 14. Hiromu has been out of action for 16 months after breaking his neck taking a Dragon Driver from, from Dragon Lee during the G1 special in San Francisco back in July. And it is a very, very, very rough time for a lot of fans. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, Hiromu is actually, you know, back in action. I'm, I'm very happy for Hiromu that he is now finally back in a New Japan ring. I love the fact that he is back. Taking, he was taking bumps, um, getting into the swing of things, and now we'll see what happens going forward. What what the lead up will be for Hiromu and Will and Chris Jericho and Tanahashi. 
from now until January 4th and 5th, they are really going to put on some banger matches. Um, some some of their best shows come from now until um, January 4th and 5th. Wrestle Kingdom is that shit. And for those of you who don't have New Japan World, I would say it's worth the nine bucks a month to check. If you're going to check out this show, I'm letting you know this is your two-month warning. Get New Japan World Pro uh, NJPW World. Like I said, it's worth the nine bucks. If you don't want to, that's fine, but you're going to be missing out on probably one of the best shows of the year and kicking off 2020 in proper fashion. So we have a couple positive notes before we uh, end today's show. And this one was kind of cool because I am a fan of this guy and I'm glad that he got a job in WWE. This is from ProWrestlingSheet.com from everyone's favorite cuck boy, Ryan Satin. Lance Storm is now hired by WWE as a producer. Former WWE star Lance Storm will soon be returning to the company as a producer. Um, Storm made the announcement on Saturday via Twitter. For those wondering, after SWA closes, I will be returning to the WWE to work as a producer. I'm really looking forward to working with such a high level of talent again, he wrote. Lance announced in August that his Storm Wrestling Academy will be closing at the end of the year, which is very unfortunate for him because a lot of um, talent actually came out from this academy. The 50-year-old wrestler who has trained the likes of Tyler Breeze, Danielle Dashwood, Peyton Royce, Oni Lorcan, and more, last worked for WWE from 2001 to 2005. As you may recall, Storm also worked as a producer for Impact earlier this year on a trial basis. So congratulations are in order for one Lance Storm. I was actually a fan of Lance Storm when he was actually in his WCW days. Um, when he uh, was uh, my favorite... I think, storyline from him when he was in WCW. He held three titles at once, actually, I believe, at one point. Um, He was the Cruiserweight Champion. Um, He won the uh, Hardcore Championship. And I believe he won the United States Heavyweight Championship at one point and held all, I think he held all three at some point in time. Um, He believed, I believe it was the Canadian Heavyweight Championship, um, the uh, 95 Kilogram Championship, and um, the Canadian Hardcore Championship. Or he renamed it in some fashion. I fucking love that. Lance Storm was that shit um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, before uh, WWE had actually, you know, before he left the company and went over to um, WWE in 2001. So congratulations are in order for one Lance Storm. I, I wish you well. Um, in this journey, this endeavor, and hopefully you can uh, help produce some really good matches. Um, a lot of producers in WWE, the likes of Dean Malenko and all that, they've really put they've really put on some you know they've really produced some good matches throughout the year. Some you may never know that actually produced some matches. Jason Jordan, I think, produced a couple of matches, and I believe one of them was actually a good one. Tyson Kidd, I think, at one point produced matches. Um, they've really you know a lot of people don't know a lot of matches you've seen the really good ones a lot of people some interesting names have produced some good matches throughout the years and like i said i cannot i'm really excited to see what landstorm will be able to do in terms of producing matches going forward so shout out to landstorm um i believe i saw a tweet from him today saying you know i know with SWA closing i did have some matches with my students so i had i believe he said he had four student matches um, today, so that was really crazy, and I, I, I it, it really does suck that his uh, academy will be closing at the end of this year. 
But like I said, he, he has produced some great talent coming out of that academy. And I, like I said, I wish him well in this in this endeavor um, as a producer for WWE. And to round out today's episode of the podcast, this was an interesting one that I saw. This was actually published an hour ago from WrestleTalk.com. Vince McMahon reportedly rejected Big Randy Orton storyline. This is from Louis Dangor. And let's see how this goes. During his feud over the WWE Championship on SmackDown with Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton recruited the help of The Revival. The pair continued to work together on TV in the weeks that followed. The trio went their separate ways after Orton and Kingston's feud had finished. Many people were fond of the FTRKO faction, as well as was I, but we'll get to that in a second. The revival finally let, felt somewhat important while standing next to the multi-time WWE Champion. Any hopes of the faction reuniting in the near future will have been squashed during the WWE draft when Randy was drafted to Raw away from SmackDown's Dash in Dawson. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select was reporting that ID Orton pitched the idea of the faction staying together for much longer to Vince McMahon. The report notes that McMahon rejected the idea for some reason and the trio were split in the WWE draft. Quote, we're told by multiple sources that Orton pushed to do more work with them, even going as far as pitching a faction to Vince McMahon personally. The idea fell on deaf ears and Orton and the Revival were put on different brands in the WWE draft. And quote, let's just hope that WWE and Vince McMahon re- decided to reject the idea because they have bigger plans for both the Revival and Randy Orton. However, something tells me that that isn't the case. And to be truthfully honest, Lewis, I highly agree with you. Like I said, I am a big fan of Randy Orton. Randy Orton, me personally, is one of my top five all time in terms of favorite wrestlers. I love Randy Orton. Legend Killer Randy Orton is my favorite of Rivet character, in, you know, of all time with him, of his career. That made him the man who he is today. Uh, I still listen to his old theme song um, when I'm at the gym. I need a boost. I love that theme song. It is great. Um, I love the. Re- I'm a big fan of the Revival too. Going all the way back to the NXT days, they were a very good tag team there. I, I love them as well. Um, during with their feuds with DIY and AOP, the triple threat match that they had at Takeover, uh, triple threat ma- uh, ladder match that they had was fucking amazing. The match that they had with uh, DIY at Takeover Toronto was a fucking classic, um, and showed you what tag team wrestling is and can be if given the opportunity to put work in. I would have loved for this faction to actually go forward and see what they would do with it. See what the possibilities could be with FTRKO. You know, I love that acronym. I love it. The FTRKO? Fuck the Revival? Randy Keith Orton? I fucking love it. I fucking love it. I would have loved to see what could happen. What havoc could they wreak on the WWE? Who could they go after? Who could they destroy? You know, especially if they both held all three of them held championships at the same time it would have been really cool to see what you know they could have done going forward but i think unfortunately now that um orton and the revival are now in separate brands more than likely um this will never you know this will never come to fruition this will never you know come to fruition going forward and it's gonna and it sucks because you know it would have been nice to see nice to at least experiment with the idea 
and to see what they really could have done with it. It does suck. You know, we, like I said, we always don't get nice. We never really get nice things as fans. Um, we are given what we are given in terms of uh, production and programming. And I know there's a lot of missed booking opportunities. I may do a show on that one day. Um, to talk about missed booking opportunities that they had over the past few years. I would love, I may, I may want to do something like that. It has been a thought in my mind. And I would honestly say, this is definitely a missed, op- missed booking opportunity by WWE. Um, a veteran of Orton's caliber, having the revival alongside definitely could have benefited all three of them immensely. Uh, Randy being the Randy being the leader of the group, the revival would have gotten a huge rub being with Randy. Um, they were definitely getting some important storylines, being involved with the New Day, defending their tag team championships, doing dealings with the New Day, and all that. It definitely would have brought some interesting you know, storylines to light, especially possibly revamping the tag team division, be, having the revival being dominant with the tag title reigns until somewhere, somewhere on the line, all three of them lose belts or all three of them lose their shit or, or something along those lines. I would have loved to see what they could have done with FTRKO going into, you know, Survivor Series season and, you know, Royal Rumble, possibly a WrestleMania match, a high high up on the card that definitely would have could have been a possibility but unfortunately that's just not in the cards for us and it's not in the cards for randy orton and the revival and that ladies and gentlemen is your news of the weekend i mean i i mean you can check all these out on the wrestling on the wrestling sites that i definitely have told you about if there's any more news that you may have seen um i will give you the uh voice message link at the end of the closing segment as we always do at the end of the program so what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break uh hear from our sponsor and then get you prepared for episode 127 of the young lions perspective podcast stay tuned we'll be right back Guys, that's going to be it for episode 126 of the Young Lions Perspective. And as always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, or if you have any news that you may have heard from around the world of professional wrestling, anything that would interest me, anything you may want to have discussed, or want my opinion on, or anything like that, or anything that you may have talked want to talk about from the past week's episodes, hit me up with a voice message on anchor.fm slash young lions perspective. Hit me up with a voice message, man. Let me know what you're thinking about the show. What are you thinking about WWE, AEW, NXT, NXT UK, New Japan? Anything you want to talk about in the world of professional wrestling, bring it to the table. All opinions are welcome. And if I like them enough, I will have no problem featuring them on a future episode of the Young Lions Perspective. Speaking of today's episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend and tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all of your social media, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, whatever you got. Let the people know, especially in the month of November where we've got full gear this Saturday night. We've got, you know... NXT TakeOver War Games going down in a couple of weeks. And, of course, Survivor Series. Let the people know that the Young Lions perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to 
staying. Now, if you do not happen to have the Anchor app, which I know a good portion of you do not, and that's okay, you're not hurting my feelings, even though Anchor is the mothership of the YLP universe. As is such, you can still find this podcast across several different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Castbox FM, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions perspective across all these different platforms, and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast, breaking news, my 60-second videos of my opinions on certain shows, or just, you know, me doing just some weird shit, flexing on the gram, you know, if I'm in the gym or some shit like that, whatever suits you fancy, you can follow me on my social media. Follow me on Twitter at SwedeSenator, W-W-I, that's S-U-E-D-E. S-E-N-A-T-O-R capital W capital W capital I I do live tweeting for AEW Smackdown live on Fridays every WWE live pay-per-view every AEW live pay-per-view and if I have nothing else better to do between the hours of 1 and 3 a.m. and New Japan Pro Wrestling is on and I really got nothing to do for the next day or so hey I'll do live tweeting for New Japan Pro wrestling as well also do not hesitate to follow me on instagram the mothership of course of the social media version of the ylp universe you can follow me there on at or should i say at young underscore lions underscore perspective follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the young lions perspective podcast so episode 127 of the young lions perspective will be going down this thursday of course y'all know it is AEW Dynamite review. Instead of doing the AEW Full Gear preview and predictions before the Go Home episode of AEW, I'm going to give you guys a twofer. I know, I'm very generous <laughs> and I can't help myself. So, I will be doing my AEW Full Gear preview and predictions as well as my AEW Dynamite review. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's a full-on onslaught of AEW. May give you some news in terms of AEW. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? But yes, you are getting a twofer. You're going to get the Dynamite review from this coming Wednesday. And you will get my preview and predictions for Full Gear this Saturday night live on pay-per-view. I can't wait to do it. I know you can't wait to hear it. So until Thursday, guys. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 before I close out, of course, today is Monday. It is Monday Night Football time, and y'all know I will be giving you my predictions of tonight's game on Monday Night Football between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. Now, I know I live in Jersey, which is literally Giants country, but unfortunately for the New York Giants faithful, tonight is not your night. I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys to defeat the New York Giants by the score of 33 to 17 so until thursday guys for episode 127 enjoy the rest of your evening if you're gonna watch raw you have my condolences to your sanity if you're gonna watch football tonight enjoy it i'm gonna be watching monday night football because i have ezekiel elliott and evan ingram and they better give me fucking points so i can beat this goon in final no i was gonna say final fantasy in fantasy football this week i need them to produce i'm not losing by much i only need like 20 points and i am gucci so until thursday guys I'll see you guys on Thursday for episode 127 of the Young Lions Perspective. See you!